0: Talking to the little linebackers tonight in the all last name show. See what I mean when we come back on the other side. Hit it. What's happening, Packers fans? Welcome to another episode of the Gold Zone. I'm your host this evening, Jacob Westendorf, live in the Game On Wisconsin studios. And I thought I had a long and or complicated last name. So I'm self-conscious about that. So I brought in somebody who has an even longer one than I do. That is our special guest for this evening. That is Brendan Dworzynski. He of uh, Game On Wisconsin and uh, 580. Did I get that right? That's right, 5.80 a.m. on a beautiful Topeka, Kansas. Not a beautiful Topeka, Kansas. Home of the future national runner-up, the Kansas Jayhawks, who will be playing this weekend and beating the Villanova Wildcats before losing to the Duke Blue Devils on Monday night in the national championship game. Brendan, I will let us start there. What do you have to say about that?
1: Um, You were half right, so that was nice. Uh, fun fact for you, though, <laughs> the, uh, the last three times – KU and Villanova have played in the NCAA tournament. The winner of their head-to-head matchup has won the national championship. 08, Kansas won. 16 and 18, Villanova won. So when Kansas inevitably wins in New Orleans on Saturday, that will uh, guarantee national championship number two for the one and only Bill Self.
0: However, however, when they have played that time, who did Kansas beat for their national title?
1: Uh, That was Memphis. Derrick Rose and the Memphis Tigers.
0: Yeah. Okay. And then Villanova—they weren't playing Coach K in his last game ever, and the officials and all the other stuff that's going to go into that, right?
1: I mean, true—that—that that is a a fair point. But Duke's going to lose to to North Carolina anyway. Oh I mean, no, they are not. That's There's what no I'm, I'm telling myself.
0: Out. I'm no, I'm they're not. Trying to mentally prepare for that. I don't even. I mean, I don't care. I hate three of the four teams that are playing on Saturday anyways, Kansas being one of them, Duke and Carolina being the other two. So I don't really care, but Duke's not losing to North Carolina. I just cannot. They already lost one of K's last. So if they lost K's last game at Cameron, they're not losing K's last game ever against North Carolina. I think this is a shot at redemption, so to speak, but that's college basketball. We could talk about all that crap later, but I did want to get Brennan's thoughts as a a Jayhawk uh, in the house here playing against a Villanova team that, It's very good, but I just think the injury that they suffered last week and and Kansas, I think, is just a flat better team. And they kind of finally found their groove in the tournament in that second half. I feel like they've won three ugly games before winning uh, last week against um, Miami with that just dominant second-half performance. But we're talking linebackers tonight. That's why Brendan's here. He is our linebacker guy here at Game on Wisconsin. So he's doing the profiles, gameonwi.com talking about those off ball backers done a pretty decent series so far. And we've got more between now here and the end of the month. And I'm also not to be forgotten here, joined by the simple name of the group here. And that is Jacob Morley. Jake, how are we doing?
2: Just a simple man, just a simple man over here with a simple name. I
0: I actually wanted to
2: talk a little KU basketball, man, Uh, as a resident of Kansas myself, I, um, I actually came to the Kansas City metro area as a, a very big Jayhawks fan. Poor I went Joe. to the same high school as one Jeff Boshi, if we remember uh, way back then. Of um, course. <laughs> and then I moved to Kansas and realized that KU fans are the worst, the worst, Brandon. Uh, and I, and I no longer am a KU fan. I, I get more enjoyment out of watching them lose than I do watching them win, and that that kind of flipped once I moved down here. But in in Jayhawks fans' defense, that's kind of how it goes. The entitlement kind of comes with being so good for so long that there is a sense of we deserve to be here. But I love the confidence. Um, I love the confidence, especially uh, the confidence in a team coached by Bill Self deep into March. So uh, kudos to you. Hats off. I hope that works out for you. Hey, I can
0: tell you in here, too, that Bill Self in this state that I live in is public enemy number one. Well, maybe not number one, but in terms of college basketball, they don't like him very much around here because Bill Self, of course, went to Kansas from the University of Illinois and was the recruiter of that. 2005 team for the most part. He wasn't the coach of that team. Bruce Weber was uh, before he took off for Kansas, which I always do kind of chuckle at that fans are upset that Illinois lost their coach to like, here's my take on, and I'm a, I'm a cynic when it comes to college athletics in general, especially football and basketball. It's like the same teams are always going to be the ones who wins. So how upset can you really like the final four? It seems like every year has one of Kansas, Kentucky, Duke, North Carolina, Villanova, some team like that. And I'm always of the belief that like the same teams are gonna win. So if your coach or a player from your state or whatever goes to Kansas Duke, North Carolina school like that, can you really be mad at them? Because that's where all it's like a player going to Alabama in college football. It's the same yeah. idea. So I well, give uh go ahead, uh, Brendan.
1: I was just gonna chime in. I so I grew up in the suburbs of Chicago. My my parents went to the University of Illinois. I grew up an Illinois fan. My my dad proposed to my mom on the quad at the University of Illinois. So I grew up in a Illini fan. I was a Bill Self OG. I've been rooting for Bill Self since I was like six years old. So when I I moved out here, he was already out here. Perfect match. So yeah, I every time I go home, I get the oh yeah Bill Self eh, you know, cheater Bill Self. Well, you wish he was cheating for
0: your team. So I don't want to hear it. And he was, so, I mean, there's that too, but that's, that's beside <laughs> yeah, that's. So how old were you when Illinois had that team with uh, D Brown and Luther Head and Darren Williams,
1: I was 10 years old. I was 10 and a half years old. That's the first time I ever I'm cried right during a sporting question. event was during the, uh, the national championship game in 2005. And even though he won a lot of, uh, kansas before going to north carolina i've never forgiven roy williams for making 10 year old me cry i've never gotten over it i'm 27 it years boy. old now and i've never gotten
0: over it that was roy's first title too if memory serves yep. uh yep. yeah because he lost he was the coach of that 0-3 team in kansas that lost to carmelo syracuse team and that was right before he went yeah. to carolina so he only he never won a title at like kansas so that's interesting that that say, was it louder. Say, say it louder and clearer that that really you never won a title of yeah. Kansas no. trust me there if you, you want go. to get in some college basketball takes I can <laughs> tell you why I can tell you why Tom Izzo is over the most overrated coach in college basketball I can tell you a lot of different stuff as far as college hoops goes but that is not why you're here like I mentioned the other thing that will be interesting Brendan Roy Williams retired coach K is retiring Bill Self is about to become him or Tom is overrated is going to be the face of college basketball here starting next season. So I'm just interested to see how that navigates. Maybe Calipari in Kentucky, but I just, I don't know. Calipari is kind of a grease ball. So I suppose that's actually makes him the perfect candidate for a college athlete. Let's talk backers. There's your transition. Let's do, let's do it. So let's start. You cannot start this linebacker conversation for the Packers without talking about the move they did make this offseason, and that was the re-signing of Devondre Campbell. And I think that was a move that it was one that I would have made after some others, but they, they were able to bring back for Sewell Douglas, obviously not uh, willing, able, possible, whatever you want to call it for Devontae Adams. There's a trickle down effect for everything. My take on Campbell is that he didn't fundamentally transform the defense. The way the narrative has kind of started around, around Campbell. He was good. He was very good. First team, all pro good. Mind you, the Packers defense, wasn't any better last year than it was in previous years. So this idea that he transformed the deep to me, that is narrative based analysis. That being said, I am happy they brought him back because otherwise your linebackers are a rookie that you're going to have to draft this year or Chris Barnes. I don't have a very high opinion of Chris Barnes and a rookie is a rookie. So that's problematic. The other take I struggle with, is when, and Jake Morley is going to say this almost word for word here in just a minute, it is inside linebackers do not matter. I despise that line of analysis, that one position is completely irrelevant. And I say this because the next line that people have is that, like the Kansas City Chiefs, for example, to use Brendan's home state team. Well, not really, but area Missouri, Close enough is that well Kansas City had two guys that were garbage repair men and they were they won the Super Bowl cool their defense sucked and they were able to win the Super Bowl but it, those two things don't go hand in hand like the fact that they had crappy linebackers didn't go hand in hand that they won the Super Bowl Green Bay hasn't had good linebacker play until Demondre Campbell and their best performance as a defensive team was with camp in the last decade in the playoffs was with Campbell on the field. So I say all that to say the position doesn't matter or doesn't not matter. Excuse me. It can probably be the weakest position on your defense, but the idea that this position is just irrelevant and throw fifth and sixth round picks. I personally have seen enough of that. The Packers have done that for the better part of a decade. And how many times do we sit here and go, man, like we're talking ourselves into Jamari Lattimore, Nate Palmer, Brad Jones, like there were so many bad linebackers to me that once they finally had one with Campbell, I was happy to see that there were two potential schools of thought. One was we finally got one, let's pay him and keep him. Or hey, we found this dude for two million bucks, let's try and find another dude for two million bucks. Morally, what? Just go ahead and tell me why linebackers don't matter.
2: I don't. I don't. I'm not Ross Uglum, man. I'm. I'm on your side. I. I, take I think you, you, you get guys, that from Ross. You guys are all together. Uh, I think I think you're right on the on the last thing you said. I think is if you rank positions like where you want to pay certain guys and whatnot. I think if you don't have an all pro, then who cares, right? Then plug in guys. But I think if you have one, yeah, you want you want him on your team. Uh, he's he's a good player. It's it's, it's similar to, to running back. And and here's the thing, they didn't really pay Devondre Campbell that much. To come back and, and be their starting inside linebacker. So I think it's the best of both worlds. They're like, dude, this guy rules. Uh, we love him, teammates love him. He's really, we got him for a two pretty cheap two year deal, essentially is kind of what it looks like. And we're gonna ride that out for two years and we're gonna we're gonna play him there. We're gonna let him be kind of that stalwart in the middle of our defense. And, and to to your point about like the Chiefs are always brought up as a team that we're able to win with uh, with Anthony Hitchens and a mailman, basically, as their inside linebackers. The Chiefs have taken two inside linebackers in the top 50 the last two years in Willie Gay and uh, the kid from Missouri that I can't remember his name. But Nick Bolton, yeah. So it's it's tough to really say that argument, too, because the Chiefs obviously saw that and said, yeah, we won because we had – a Martian playing quarterback for us. And we want to get better at that spot on defense. Can you have a solid defense without good inside linebacker play? Yes. Can you have that in Joe Barry's defense? I don't think you can. I think his the way the way he kind of sits in that cover too and the way they play with that one linebacker look, you need a guy that can cover, that can play sideline to sideline. And they found that guy for cheap, uh, so keep him. Yeah, you know and and that's what's going to be interesting talking about the linebacker position in the draft this year is it kind of becomes less of a need because of that because of Devondre being there and because I still think there is part of them that's like we don't want to allocate a ton of resources to this position. Um, whether that's right or wrong, I do believe the Packers feel that way and I'm sure they're already say, thinking and saying, "Well, we already gave you know, a, a nice contract to this guy named Devondre Campbell. We don't really want to pour that much more into this position.
0: Right. And one other thing I do want to point out is since a true North Packers fan, as people say, special team specialists are unnecessary. Some people say that punters are more important than Devontae Adams, Jacob Morley.
2: Some people say abolish special teams in general.
0: <laughs> I am, one of I those am that
2: people. I am those people. <laughs>
0: Kicker, kickers and punters and just, I hate them all. So I I don't know that they're unnecessary, but I hate all of them. Brendan, something else to think about as far as just the shape of this Packers linebacking crew, talking about it moving forward is, is there something that they should spend? You know, they have those four picks in the top 60. Is that something they can spend a luxury type of selection on? You know, I know Devin Lloyd, somebody said earlier today, his age must be written on the back of the Declaration of Independence. I cannot find it. Uh, Somebody else found it for me in one of these shows, but I've already forgotten it. So I need Nicolas cage to go steal that thing again and find us a treasure and make us all very rich people. But at the same time, I just really want Devin Lloyd's uh, age off of that. But are there guys in this draft just to start there that you think are worth that type of selection to where you're like, you know, Oh man, this is Devin white, or this is the, I know it hasn't worked out, but this is the prospect that Devin Bush was when, when Pittsburgh took him. Is there somebody like that, that you're like, Hey, If the edge rushers are gone and the receivers are kind of like maybe there's five of them left and, you know, there's only six picks between 22 and 28, maybe we take this guy first. Is there somebody like that in this class?
1: I mean, I don't think there's anyone based on my scouting that I would, like, go nuts. Like, oh, my God, if this guy falls to, you know, X spot, got to move up to get him. Or he is a, a true can't miss going to change the, you know, prospect of the defense because I I kind of split the difference between the two of you guys when it comes to you know the the inside linebacker the off ball linebacker like I think that's more of a raise the floor kind of position for a team than it is raise the ceiling. Like when you when you put Campbell out there for example I mean he's a solid piece in the middle. I mean better than solid he's an all pro for God's sake. But I mean I don't think he significantly raises the ceiling of the defense but I think he keeps you but from the being <laughs> a I complete, think the perfect
0: point you were gonna make is the complete yeah. tire fire they were in the last game of the season against Detroit. That was terrible.
1: Yes, exactly. So I think that same kind of trend continues with the players you're gonna see here. Like if you ended up at the end of the first round and you're at pick number, you know, whatever it is 28 and N'Kobe Dean is there. Like he slips to that point, which is certainly possible. I would entertain that. I mean I my Report on him isn't up on the website yet, but he, he's coming within the next two weeks. And, you know, if, if a player like that was there, I would have minimal arguments to make about taking a player like that. Yeah, positional value, probably not great, but this is a year of super athletic linebackers. And that's really been a trend going through all the profiles this year. I mean, some of these guys, first-round caliber players. Hey, Brendan, new guys. I, I
0: don't mean to cut you off. I apologize, but we actually have breaking news, and it's not related to the Packers, but Peter King – is reporting, and I want to get your guys' reaction live, but Peter King is reporting that Bruce Arians, head coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, is retiring from coaching and moving to the Bucks front office between he and at LA Times Farmer. Sam Farmer is reporting that defensive coordinator Todd Bowles is going to be picked to replace him. So the staff is being told that news at this hour. So I just wanted to get your guys' reaction off of that really fast. And Brendan, you were talking, so I didn't mean to like cut you off like that, but that's a shocker. So let's start with you here.
1: Yeah, no, no, reaction. no worries about that whatsoever. Um, I mean, that's I just it makes me wonder what happened, what what got us to this point. You know, it was a little a little surprising, I think, when Arians came back a few years ago anyway, because he did retire for alleged health reasons. You, you wonder if if it's something like that, and if that's the case, wants to go into something less stressful on the on the heart, on the body, more power to him. I can't say I'm surprised that Todd Bowles is the guy who ends up getting that job since he's got the head coaching experience before, keep the staff all together, all of that. Um, I get. I guess I'm surprised, but not shocked to hear this. I mean, there was also the the whispers within the last couple of weeks about you know what's the relationship like between Arians and Brady. I don't imagine that that's why this happened, unless there is some sort of massive blow up that is going to come out here in the next 48 to 72 hours. So I, I guess I'm surprised because they're obviously a contender for the Super Bowl and in an NFC that everybody expects to be down this year. You would think, well, this is. This is a true last dance opportunity probably because Brady is 900 years old and eventually someday is really going to retire. New Arians was probably on... I don't on, believe you. Well, that, well <laughs> we, some of us assume anyway that eventually he's going to retire. Kind of felt like Arians has been on borrowed time again because he originally retired due to health reasons, whether that's quote unquote or not. So I, I guess I'm just surprised that it's now. And it makes me wonder if this was in the works for a long time or if this was sudden. Because if this was in the works for a while... I mean, the Buccaneers will probably be able to, you know, piece things together and be just fine going forward. But if this is truly an out of nowhere thing, I'm just fascinated as to what would have led to it. Because otherwise this, this just seems like bizarre timing. This, this feels a little bit to me, not, not exactly the same, but you know, another chief's connection for you. This feels a little bit like when John Dorsey left the chiefs immediately after the 2017 draft, like of all times to leave, you just made a massive move for a quarterback ended up being a great one. They got Patrick Mahomes, but like, why oh, now? Good? Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's all right. He's, he's yeah. decent. Um, So it, it just, the timing of it is the strangest part, but I, I can't say I'm shocked that this guy of all guys decided to hang it up. And, and honestly, Bruce Arians is kind of a, I'm going to do it my way or the highway kind of guy. So I, I guess even that part shouldn't be that surprising.
0: I guess my surprise just comes from, like you said, the timing and and the fact that the quarterback is back, like if if Tom Brady yeah. had said, "Hey, I'm staying out," and like Tampa's quarterback situation right now was still Kyle Trask and whoever the hell else yeah. is on that roster right now. Can
2: I put on my tinfoil hat? Please do. I, I, Please. I,
0: I love Morley tinfoil hats.
2: Tom Brady, want, Tom Brady's out, baby. Tom Brady's moving. He wants to go to play in Miami. He wants Miami. to go play in San Fran. Brady got or uh, Arians got wind of this. He, I could, I can't take it. I'm done. I'm going to move up to the front office. Uh, Tom Brady, Is he moved within the next week? Can I stir the pot here? Probably not, but maybe. But maybe. Don't tell me that's a terrible take. That's not my punter take. That, I think no, actually, no, that is not your punter. There actually pun. might be some take. ways to this. I hope that happens. I hope he goes. There's, go to the AFC. Yeah,
0: considering there's some actual smoke to this too. Like, And not only that, the Miami thing – Like Tom Brady's as vindictive as anyone, right? Mm -hmm. Like we all hear about the Aaron Rodgers chip on his shoulder thing, but Brady's like as vindictive as anyone. Could this be like the Favre thing where instead of going to the jets for one year, he goes to Tampa for two wins them a title, then goes to Miami and wants to beat Belichick's ass twice a year for Mm -hmm. as long as, you know, Tom decides he's going to keep playing. I don't think that's out of the question. Uh, As far as Arians specifically, like I said, I it's I'm surprised. Just I,
2: I'm though. actually. I'm surprised that uh, Leftwich didn't get the job. Truthfully, because I thought he was a great candidate to take a head coaching gig. And it was gonna until thought. Jacksonville decided
0: they weren't going to fire Trent balky
2: Right, and so like I really I thought because we you know the Arians health stuff, and honestly, that's probably what it is it's probably some okay, health stuff is but i can't the now
1: <laughs> love <laughs> it's
2: it funny uh yeah i don't know man well uh, the truth will always come out and we'll 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 know eventually but yeah that is wild timing very wild timing and like i said i thought leftwich stayed because i he pretty much was the coach in waiting there but i uh, guess not yeah tom brady's not so we'll tom brady is the offensive head coach i mean he's the oc in Tampa now yeah. Sorry, sorry, Brian. Yeah.
0: With Byron. Byron. Yeah, it's Byron. Shame on you. Yeah. Um, so yeah, a stunner. Um, and in an NFL offseason that never seems to quit. So I promise you guys by the end of this show, the Packers will have traded two first round picks to pull Calvin Johnson out of retirement. I don't know where those Well, hey, go hey, not, that, to too, not to
2: get two, not to get two off the rails. I know we're supposed to talk about inside linebackers, but as we've all agreed, they don't matter. So uh What is interesting (laughs) is talking about, dude, Goody talking about how it's going to be, you know, they're going to try to make moves. And then Mark Murphy coming out today and basically saying it's going to be, it's going to be an interesting draft weekend. Mind you, fellas, the last two draft weekends have been so damn interesting that I've wanted to pull my hair out we had the aaron rodgers well the jordan love drama 2 years ago the aaron, Ro- aaron rodgers drama last year what is interesting i don't want interesting i just want i i just want good players to play for my team so
0: i was yeah, that, i could I could go for boring i could go for boring or i could go for green bay traded a pick for a player and that being the most exciting thing but yeah the last two being oh they picked a quarterback and oh the quarterback is pissed Great. So now we're going to do this for three more months. So, I, like I said, I could go for boring. It's going to be a whole lot of fun. And, uh, yeah, the Packers, there's a lot to that. So let's get back so to the Packers. Us,
2: well, I, I got something to get us back on track right here. So we were talking about N'Kobe Dean Promise? before before Westendorf, Westendorf rudely interrupted us with news about a team that we don't even need to worry about. And, Bay uh Bay is
0: in their name. It's easily confused.
2: Yeah. Well, uh, we were talking about N'Kobe Dean, right? And he's kind of been that guy that people have all talked about, like, well, he won't be there for Green Bay. He won't be there. He's the top inside linebacker in this class. But I think as we get closer to the draft, he seems like a guy that's going to fall. And you look at, and I think it was, I think I was listening to to Daniel Jeremiah today and him and Bucky Brooks were talking about this very topic with N'Kobe Dean. They're like, teams want, Teams want long, athletic, inside linebackers. Like they, you know, there's not as much of an emphasis on if you weigh two fifty anymore, but they do want you to have that that length, and that is something that Nikopi Dean does not have. And so, like, could he be a guy that is there at twenty eight or beyond? Could he be there in the second round when the Packers pick? And at what point? do you take a guy like that? Because you turn on the tape and he's good. Like make no mistake about it. He's a good football player. And then the other question is that I think will really lead us into like a good discussion with inside linebackers is what do they do with them? Do they play? I mean, they, this is a team that doesn't play a ton of two inside linebacker looks under Joe Barry. They, they love to put Devondre just out there and then just get athletes out there around him. So if this team does take someone like a N'Kobe Dean, Do they let him just go out there, go out there, does he just go out and hunt? You know, like, hey, you don't have all the responsibilities. We're going to let Devondre kind of worry about making the calls, dropping into coverage, um, doing the kind of the nitty-gritty stuff. We're just going to let you go get the football. And that would be a massive, massive upgrade over Chris Barnes. And if you're talking about a guy that's only going to play 35 to 40% of snaps, you might be able to stomach it a little bit more – In the second round, with a guy like if Nicole Dean is in fact there,
1: yeah. And I I think it is entirely possible, just to add on to your point, Jacob, I think it's entirely possible he slides into round two because I mean, this is not a you know, not an especially great linebacker group. And you look at the other, you know, the edge guys, the wide receivers, I mean, teams are going to go after these both quality and sexy positions a lot in the first round, I think, Mm -hmm. this year. And I think it's entirely possible that he slides into round two. I also, just based on what I've seen, I would not be entirely shocked if there's a handful of teams out there late round one or even mid-round one into early round two who, for whatever reason, like – Devin Lloyd, more than they like N'Kobe Dean. Not that they might not like Nicobe Dean, but you know, watching Devin Lloyd play, that dude's a stud. And I think someone's going to be happy with him. I wouldn't be surprised if he was the first linebacker off the board. I wouldn't be surprised if Christian Harris from Alabama got some looks from someone. You know, As they say, it only takes one. I could easily see a team falling in love with Christian Harris. The speed he has, the closeout he has, I mean, the plays he makes, and he really jumped off the page in the national championship game. Alabama lost that to Georgia, obviously, but he was just a menace for a large portion of the game, really the entire part of the game when it was close. Christian Harris, you could argue, was the best player on the field for Alabama. I would not be shocked if there was a team out there who wanted him, sort of like you said, for the Packers, who were like, hey, Christian Harris, you're going to go on the field. You're not going to have typical inside linebacker duties. You're going to go see ball. You're going to go get ball. I would not be surprised if there was a team out there that wanted that. So, If the overall question is, could Nickobe Dean, who has for a long time really been the sort of almost default lb1 in this class could he be there early ish mid-ish round two I think that's absolutely possible and that's a situation there I mean if he gets to 38 40 somewhere in there that might be an opportunity where you say hey we've got an extra pick let's let's move up and let's mm-hmm. do it because that's too much talent to pass up on even if it's not a perfect fit
0: for this defense sometimes mm-hmm. when you've got the value like that you just can't pass it up so and here's the thing that I want to I'm not pushing back on you, Jake, but just kind of thinking about, you're talking about how, what the Packers haven't done under Joe Barry. Well, a couple things. Number one, Joe Barry's only been here for one year. Mm -hmm. Number two, Chris Barnes played more than 50% of the snaps in a decent majority of the games last year. uh, There was a little stretch in the middle of the year. He played 21% against uh, in week six and week seven, it was 24. Otherwise he's close to 50 to 60% for most of the games. And in the playoffs, he played 70% of the snaps. Now that's probably largely opponent based. But something that Matt LaFleur has done since he's come to Green Bay, and I think he wants his coaches to prioritize this as well, is we heard about it all last offseason, right? Well, Green Bay doesn't need that many receivers because they want to play two tight ends and they want to play big and then they want to spread you out doing stuff like that. And what they do last year, they ran shotgun spread because they had to because their offensive line was beat up the way that it was and they didn't really have a tight end. So it's kind of hard to play two tight ends when you don't have one. So on the defensive side of the ball, would Joe Berry play differently if he has now, granted, the Packers' strength this year is absolutely at full strength, their nickel formation on defense with those three corners. But would he play more linebackers if they had a second stud next to Devondre Campbell? Maybe. We don't know. You know, I think what you can say and feel pretty good about here in the next you know few years is we're not gonna see Adrian Amos and Morgan Burnett and guys like that playing in, in the, in that linebacker role, which I know at the time was something that we all were like, yeah, I kind of like that. It's like, I'd rather just get a linebacker to, to do those things, find some overhang defenders and you can be creative and stuff like that. But to answer your guys's question about Dean and Devin Lloyd, even to some degree as well, if one of those guys falls to you and, you know, Labo, my homies in here talking about how he wants to prioritize edge receiver, defensive line, tight end, offensive line. I understand all that. At the end of the day, same and same big people, pass catchers, pass defenders, 100%. But at the end of the day, does anybody in this room care that they took AJ Dillon in the second round two years ago? No, because he's a good player. He's a good player. And you could talk to me about value all you want, but at the end of the day, who gives a shit? Like, Mm -hmm. if you get a good player with that pick, would you rather have a good player with bad value? Or would you rather take a player that has good value and he sucks? Like that's something that's certainly possible as well. Now I'm not saying like, for example, I've talked about this a bunch, how Dallas took Zeke at the fourth overall selection with Jalen Ramsey sitting right there. Like that's different, but AJ Dillon being bad positional value and they could have taken a a Jeremy Chin or or somebody like that. And Chin's a good player, but like they could have taken a bad player too. So Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, if they take Nicobe Dean at 53 or 59, I don't really care what the value is. He's good. That's what matters to me. He's good. Yep. And ultimately, like it's the old uh, Carmen Vitali of the, the draft network. And I know Paige DeMacos does this as well. They wear the hat that says draft good players. Draft good players. That's what I care about mostly, is that are the players they got good? Because if they are, then your team's probably going to be good. If they're not, well, chances are your team's not going to be very good you know
1: yeah and i i think the point about prioritizing players too because i I mean i i'm in full agreement with you guys i mean yes the in terms of need roster need yeah edge interior line pass catch i yeah 100 in agreement but that's that's kind of the beauty of the the draft right like sometimes it doesn't fall that way like if you've got top great you know packers top grades for example are on olave and wilson and then they love kair elam and they love you know insert three edge rushers here okay they're all gone by by 28 what do you do well if the next best player on your board is hopefully they took one of those
0: guys at 22
1: but (laughs) well yeah well there you go too i mean you might already have one of those guys if all the other dudes who you had first round grades on or, or whatever are gone all the dudes at those positions that you're prioritizing are gone what would you rather do reach for a dude who's not a good fit who you really don't love which good NFL teams don't do, or do you just go get a good player and say, screw it. He's not, it's not a need, but we'd rather be really good in terms of talent and, and fill in the rest later. Fill in the rest. Yeah. you know, Go, go sign a dude off the street in June. Maybe he's your next all pro. Like if you need depth somewhere, go, go fill it in later. If you have nobody better on the board than Nicobe Dean or Devin Lloyd or Christian Harris or whoever
0: at, at 28 or, or even at 50, go get the best player. Yeah. And they talk about that. All the time. Sometimes it is the best player at the position of need. Sometimes it's just the best player. And I can promise you between now and draft day and Gudukunst has done this every year, every year since he's been the general manager, they've had a veteran incumbent at the positions of need that you think they have. So they are not boxed in to picking one player or another. Maybe he won't be able to do that at receiver this year, just because of the nature of that position. But in general, that's the way they've been able to do things to where they can truly take the best player available. Sometimes that means the player they need <clears throat> at the position the most Eric Stokes cornerback. Sometimes it means they pick Jordan love and we see what happens from there. Let's get into. So some of the guys from the later half here, um, into, you know, outside of the first round. So we've talked Devin Lloyd, we've talked to Kobe Dean, Brendan, there is one player in this draft that is particularly, close to your heart for some obvious reasons on your end. So I wanted to give you a chance to talk about that and why you're a forever fan of this guy, regardless uh, of what happened. So can you tell me about this gentleman?
1: Oh, I would be so happy to tell you uh, about this gentleman. So let's go to beautiful Laramie, Wyoming, and talk about Chad Muma, uh, linebacker for the Cowboys. Uh, the reason he is uh, so near and dear to my heart as a fellow type one diabetic, as another one of uh, America's insulin dependent uh, population always draft diabetics in the first round Jay Cutler four don't care about his career first round caliber player Mark Andrews tight end one I don't care diabetics always go first round um on a serious note though I actually really like the late the mid and later part of this draft for linebackers I alluded to it earlier it, it you know RAS is is what it is. It's a great tool for, for us out there. Uh, if you don't like it, so be it. Maybe you have your own way to, to scout things. This is a super high RAS-laden linebacker group this year. I mean, every single week, the, the different profiles I've gotten up over at GameOnWI.com. I mean, it's just dudes who are 10 and, and Muma's right up there uh, as a guy who's got some crazy athleticism. I think his was a, a 973. I've, I've got it in front of me from, uh, from Math Bomb here. You've also got a lot of guys in this draft class who are fairly to solidly proficient against the pass. And that's something too, that I think is worth looking into if you're green Bay in the middle to late rounds, if you've, You know, if you want to believe that the Packers are going to go hit on all the positional needs and they're going to draft all those, then, okay, well, what do we do when we get to rounds three and four and beyond that? I think there's a lot of value here. And if you want to go with Mr. Insulin here and go with Chad Muma, I think that's a good pick. Uh, You know, some of the strengths he brings to the table, super athletic, as I said, really good instincts. He's a great zone defender, too. Got really long arms, really proficient uh, dropping into zones. But you even look at some of the other guys who I think are, are of a similar caliber, Uh, the one that went up this week for my profiles, and and he's kind of a weird prospect, but a guy uh, in Troy Anderson. He's an FCS player, went to Montana State. This dude was first team all big sky as a quarterback, a running back, an outside linebacker, and an inside linebacker. He's second all time at Montana State in rushing touchdowns, and his best position was on defense. Like This is a like a four a high school, all state kind of player playing both ways and doing it really well. But he was doing it for one of the best FCS programs in the country uh, for the Bobcats of Montana State. That's another guy who is older. So you, you throw that in there, too. Packers sometimes don't love taking the old guys, even if they are super athletic, because he did play started his college career back in 2017. But super athletic good dropping in uh against pass coverage or dropping into pass coverage excuse me um you know th- this is just a long list of dudes who are super athletes who maybe are not super refined anderson's a great example of a guy who's really not i mean he he was an offense first player for the first two years of his career before shifting over two linebacker even in high school the guy didn't play linebacker he was a safety in in high school so he's really new to the position the instincts aren't quite there but it's you know it's clay in your hands I mean he's someone who can be molded there's a lot of guys like that in this draft Jojo Doman's another one uh kid from Nebraska so in, in mine and in Jake's neck of the woods uh, a lot of Nebraska fans out here who love this dude because he won every single citizenship award they have I mean he's like the prototypical Nebraska player really good against the pass and scrappy kind of just the, you know, the, I hate using these cliches and people make fun of them online, but you know, the, the lunch pail guy first in last, I mean, he's the typical kind of guy like that. He is going to be a special teamer. He is going to be a four phase special teams guy at the next level. Cause he doesn't have the size. I think to really be a, a true starting caliber every down linebacker, but he's good enough in sub packages. He's going to be good on special teams because of that grit and the speed he has. So I think that's probably where you're going to find the best value for linebackers. And if you're the Packers and if you say, hey, we we're willing to replace some of Chris Barnes's snaps or just straight up replace Chris Barnes with some value. Rounds three and four, I think, are where you're probably going to find the most of that. And if it ends up being someone who also takes insulin shots every time they eat and then once before bed, I'll just buy his jersey.
0: There you go. So we've got it, Packers. I've, I've got a guaranteed hundred and thirty dollars. You can make it the pro right. shop with one draft selection. And it might even be more because you might have to do the uh, the custom jersey since it'll be a later round pick. So <laughs> although last year, last year of memory serves, they had the every draft selection up. one through seven, Like you yeah. could have bought a Kylan Hill jersey if you wanted to. So I'm I pretty did. sure Ross Uglum did. I was, was going to say Jake Morley did. One name <laughs> you didn't mention throughout everything in that. And I know it'd be. Hey, real,
2: real quick. I do need to say this. My boy, Troy Anderson is only 22. He was a really, really young kid when he got to Montana State, but he is only going to be 22 years old his rookie season. So he is, he, he may seem like an old, but he is not an all the way old.
1: And, and that's, that's just another reason why. And yeah, that's in fact, I even had him down as 23. So I was even a year off. But, uh, you know, older, but still, I mean, 22 is still young. I sure felt young when I was 22. Granted, I wasn't a football player. But I mean, that's the kind of guy who, to me, seems like someone the Packers would at least be interested in crazy athlete, not quite there all the way as a true football player, but you could certainly turn him into that.
0: That they could. The other question, this is game on Wisconsin, so I feel like it's malpractice if I don't ask you about the Badger in in this class. It's a linebacker. Every year, there's one, and that's the one that a lot of uh, Wisconsin fans latch themselves onto because I get it. It makes sense. But Leo Chennault, Uh, Leo Chennault, how do we feel about potentially adding him and keeping him in state?
1: I love this about the the Packer fandom that I've never seen another you know, fan base. I with knew that wasn't just
0: me. Like university. Detroit Lion fans do not care about Michigan players the same mm-hmm. way Packer fans do bad. Mm-hmm. Fans.
1: Mm-hmm. Like, like out here, I mean, K-State fans get pretty rabid about their football because they're good, unlike my alma mater's football team. But, I mean, they – aren't, you know, do you know we have to draft, you know, God on it. We got to get Skylar Thompson to back up, you know, Patrick Mahomes. I mean, that oh, it's Tyler only Wisconsin. Lockett. We yeah. got to
2: get Tyler Lockett to Kansas mm-hmm. City. Yes. They, they they act that way a
1: little bit. Yeah, have to act like that. I mean, it's Wisconsin is different. And I give credit because it is very consistent. Anyone who has ever been from Wisconsin, we I mean, we all know about Jay Kumaro, Like you got to have all those guys. So I respect the the commitment to the bit. Um this is another one uh, along with the Kobe Dean that's coming here in the next couple of weeks for our, uh, our NFL draft series over at the website. But I mean, I like Chanel. I do. I think he's a good player. I would put him behind the Dean's the Lloyd's I'd put him behind Christian Harris. Personally, I think he's a good player. I think this you're kind of moving him back around from all, you know, the players we we're talking about earlier that, Hey, it's possible that Lloyd slips a little bit. It's possible that Dean slips a little bit. Maybe you take a risk on them end of the first round early in the second round, whatever. I would probably say that range for Chanel is if he falls to the end of round two, maybe into round three, that's where I'd be more inclined to go for him. I mean, good athlete. He's tested well. Uh, I know he's gotten a lot of buzz recently and granted my social media presence is obviously cl- clouded by the number of Packers fans of Wisconsinites that I follow. So take it all with a grain of salt. But I, w- again, it, it's all about, you know, the, the dirty word, the four letter word value there, but I just, I don't like him as much as I like some of the other players in this class. You're smirking at me and I don't know why. Value,
0: because value's not a four-letter word. No,
1: but like, have you ever heard like
0: curses? They're yes. they're called four. Yeah. Let- yeah, yeah, yeah. I know that. I know it's not actually those, four. Those letters. words are four letters, is the reason they call them that. But
1: well, I'm thinking of a certain twelve-letter word for you here, but I, I will keep that one to myself momentarily. So, uh, but the, the point first word being, mother. <laughs> yeah, yes, correct. <laughs> compound word, compound word. Uh, so my our overall point though for Chanel, you can find him at you know round three. And you say, you know what? We got to get this dude because he's so athletic. We do like the way he'd pair up with Campbell. We can get him in sort of that hunter role. Fine. Mm, first round, second round. I-, I would not be as inclined there.
0: And no, and I'm, I'm with you. He's he's a day three player for me. Like I would pick him in the fourth round. And I know everybody points to his RAS score and everything like that. I've never seen him do anything against the passing game. I say that knowing Big Ten passing games are not the most uh, sophisticated Uh, The team that won the big 10 this past year is uh, the Michigan Wolverines in case anybody forgot about that. I'll remind you just Michigan won the big 10 last year and they would line up and run the ball on every play. If they could Uh, if you play Ohio state, which Wisconsin doesn't every single year, then you might see a passing game, but otherwise there's just, but I haven't seen a lot in the passing game. And my thing with linebackers is like you said, I think they have to affect the passing game and Chanel's it's, he's a day three player for me. So I would say, and, Granted, a lot of these linebackers are. You know, Lloyd and Dean, those guys are a little bit higher. The rest of the guys are, you know, late day two, early day three types. That's me, though. Jake, go ahead.
2: I was just going to say we haven't even brought up Darian Beavers yet who just blew up his pro day workout. I'm trying to pull up his draft score right now. I think it's high. But you would talk about a guy. He he is, you know, a little bit older prospect. He's 23, which isn't – I think once you get out of the first round, the Packers don't really care that much about that. I do think it is, like, top –
0: Alton 20. Jenkins was like thirty when they drafted him.
2: Seventy-eight years old. Yeah, no, he uh, he was twenty-three. But uh, yeah, when you get to uh, you get outside of those first r- round guys, uh, I don't think they care as much. But Darian Beavers is reminds me of uh, Zavin Collins, who came out last year, um, just with the way he plays the game. But I think he's going to come at a much discounted rate. Um, I think he is a, a day two, maybe day three type guy. Someone that. Has the the length that we were talking about, the athleticism and the length, and he played really well in that Cincinnati defense with some of those studs. But uh, he's a guy that I would keep my eye on for the Packers just because he seems like a Packers type to me, and he seems like the type of guy that would be able to come in and immediately play special teams and immediately, um, kind of. I, mean, I think his game could you know, eventually be similar to what they have in Campbell. Um, I think he's an ins- instinctive dude as well. Um, but I think he's pretty adapting adept coverage. I think he can get after it in the run game. But I also think he is that type of guy that's like, man, if you're going to – if you're going to have that second linebacker on the field, I want you to have kind of a, a unique skill set. And that's something that, that uh, Chris Barnes doesn't really have, right? He is – he's kind of just a guy. And I think if you've got a guy like Beavers – He's a guy that can come in. He's going to be able to blitz. He can maybe even place a little bit on the edge um, and and, and uh, kind of give you some positional versatility. Another guy that is kind of in the same vein as that, um, who also has a really fun name, is Jeremiah Moon. Uh, the, he, he switched to inside linebacker this last year for Florida, but he has some, some experience playing on the edge. Uh, that's where he played his first three years at Florida, I believe, and they moved him inside. So I think as, you know, and he's a day three guy. He's, you know, fifth, sixth, seventh round type guy. But when you're looking at, are there any ways that the Packers can steal a roster spot? They're always looking for ways that they can do that. Um, A guy that is already cross-trained from inside linebacker to outside linebacker uh, has a crazy, crazy high relative athletic score as well, which everybody seems to to have this year. Uh, Brandon, I don't know if you noticed that as well. I know a lot of these guys didn't run agilities. And so a lot of these guys, it feels like anybody with half of a brain that knew what workouts they wanted to do and which ones they didn't want to do kind of has a, a high relative athletic score this year. Um, but in any case, uh, Jeremiah Moon has, has that. So I think those are two guys that I would love to see kind of in that second, third, maybe even f- fourth tier <laughs> type guy for this team um, that I think would be really interesting in, in, in green and gold.
1: Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you. And Beavers is an interesting prospect, too. And, and, you know, you mentioned that he can do all these different things. And that's the thing that really stood out to me about Beavers is that he's really good against the run in the tape I watched. And he's he's very solid against the pass as well. Love that. Off the edge, I he was used in a pinch for Cincinnati, and it was effective. I don't know how effective he'll be at the next level because he really is just put your head down, sprint after the quarterback. And in college, I mean, that works because you're going up against – you know, American Athletic Conference offensive tackles, not necessarily a deep enough arsenal of moves for me, but that could certainly be coached in by, by good coaching in the NFL. So I think that could be developed. I like Beavers as a prospect a lot. Um, and, and you mentioned the fact that he can do, you know, you you want those different skill sets and that Barnes is just kind of a jag. I mean, I I loved the way that I watched Beavers play the run. I mean, specifically, he's got such good instincts. He's a really smart player. Everything you read about him, everyone says that he's just got this football intellect that's off the charts. Not the fastest guy. There are a lot of dudes who had really good 40 times this year, which, I mean, anyone who knows football knows that only matters so much, you know, especially a linebacker who's moving side to side, front and back so much, running at angles, but he doesn't have the elite speed that some of the other guys have shown and a few of the names we've already mentioned you know we mentioned Troy Anderson I mean he runs a one of the fastest 40s of of anyone in the class this year uh on defense and for the linebacker specifically so he, he doesn't have that speed but if you're looking for a guy like you mentioned who's going to play special teams and play it well who you can bring in and trust that hey we need you for this running situation but if it's a passing situation you can hold your own as well I think Beavers is another good mid-round option if you're looking round three four probably that's where you're probably going to end up seeing him maybe in <clears> dipping into round four i would be happy with a player like that at that point especially when like you mentioned jake the you know the age thing probably doesn't matter as much you've already hit on your biggest targets, your most valuable draft picks going after whether it's just overall talent or positional need that's the kind of player that i think you could really thrive taking middle of the draft maybe early day three
0: and i can promise one thing for sure if the Packers draft Darien Beavers, the maturity level of the fan base will drop a full 10 years in age. But I'm all for it. Thank you, Iowa Joe, for throwing it in there. I tell you what, guys, for a position that doesn't matter, 49 minutes isn't too bad. We're out of time for this show. Appreciate you guys stopping in. Bottom line, buy that Green Bay draft guide that's coming across the bottom here. The link is right there. You can pre-order it here for another couple of weeks. We've got some cool stuff in there. You can follow me on Twitter. I'm at Jacob Westendorf. You can follow Jake over here. He's at Jacob Morley and DZ down here. It's Brendan DZW. I had to remember that off the top. That's of my right. Head, at Brendan DZW. There you go. So Brendan will be celebrating uh, this weekend. Like I mentioned, as the Kansas Jayhawks clinch their spot in the national title game before drowning as sorrows Monday night when they lose to the Duke blue Devils. That is my official prediction. One other official prediction I want from you, Brendan. Yes or no. The Packers take an inside linebacker in this class.
1: I am going to say yes. I'm going to bank on the fact that so many of these dudes did test well. No, Jake, you did bring up a good point. A lot of these guys did not run agility drills and were very particular about what they ran. But I think just based on how athletic this class has tested so far, it's going to be enough to entice Green Bay. It may not be till round six, seven, but I think they will end up taking one.
0: And they did take one last year in round six. It was Isaiah McDuffie. So there's certainly a possibility. And that's where you could find some guys on special teams as well. But that's Brendan. He's Jake. I'm Other Jake. We'll see you guys next week talking about defensive linemen. Looking forward to it. See you then.